following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Welcome to arguably my favorite episode of Create Your Shot each year. This is the second annual Super Bowl Spectacular. Before we get into it, I am Tyler Laurie, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host up in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Christopher Smalls Angelos. And Smalls, I love the Super Bowl episode because we get guys on who watch the All-22. They cover the two the teams that are in it. And we just get to go super deep. So, like, I get to nerd out. You get to talk about how the Eagles won the Super Bowl sometimes, but nobody remembers it because it's over. And then, you know, we get Brian Phillips from Pat's Pulpit and, and Joe McAtee from Turf Show Times. And it, it's super fun, man. Like, it's, it's a little bit different than our normal interviews where we're talking coaches and stuff. But we get to kind of get into the minds of the coaches and what these teams try to do to try to win this game. And it's all, like I said, it's, it's, you know, we've done, this is the second one and it's my, it's probably my favorite episode we do. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. It was, it was more fun last year because I remember going back, you know, I had all the emotions, my team was in it. Uh, I want to relive that someday. I may never get to do that, but hopefully I do. But all jokes aside, Joe and Brian, they're awesome because you can not only hear them, how smart they are and like you mentioned they're watching all 22 they know everything about the team but they also have that underlying fan passion oh, yeah. that you oh, just yeah. love that comes through in the podcast so you're talking to a fan but you're also trying to keep it professional it, it's an exciting time and it's just really fun to talk to these guys and you know coaching coaching you know manifests itself in every sport and to learn and dive into the minds of what you're scheming for in football, there's a lot of things you can take with you, whether you're think you're trying you're a coach in football or you're coaching basketball, whatever sport you're coaching, there's an approach to this game, the big game, and uh, you know, how these guys are exploiting matchups. That's you know, super exciting and hopefully helps me win some money on Sunday as well. <laughs> Yeah, we did dive into some prop bets, but uh, we start uh, the episode starts with uh, Brian Phillips, who is the uh, senior writer at Pat's Pulpit, and we went with the Pat's interview first, not for any other reason, just that they're the favorites in the game right now. They're two and a half point faves, so we went with the Pat's first, uh, then a little break, and then uh, Joe McAtee from Turf Show Times is a writer out there and, and has done a bunch of awesome pieces. They both uh, do video content and podcasts as well, so if you're looking to kind of get ahead of the game, there's a bunch of stuff on Pat's Pulpit and Turf Show Times. We do like going with the SB Nation writers just because of what Small said. Like, it's fun to get the fan element in it, too, because, like, sports are fun. And and if you're a journalist, unlike Smalls and I, you, you have to stay impartial and you don't get to really let that come out all the time. And, and with both these guys, we could tell, like... The, the game matters a little bit more. And just like you guys heard with Smalls last year, like the game is really, really important. Now, me personally, I'm just taking diligent notes on the important matchups, who the MVP props I can, what those bets I can make are, you know, what the best like free money props are from a football perspective, but also from a commercial perspective. Got some info on Maroon 5 set list today. So Smalls, basically, for those of us that don't really mind who wins the game, it's going to be a lucrative and a fattening weekend because I already know we're going to my friend's house. 
They're making cornbread. They're making chili. Ooh. I'm bringing something over. Don't know what I'm bringing yet. What Probably. kind of cornbread? Are we talking a little jalapeno mixed no, into that No, here's cornbread? what I'm talking about, Smalls. We're talking Ina Garten. We're talking southern stick-to-your-ribs cornbread. I'm going to have 12 pieces because it's a Sunday, so you know what that means. It's cheat, cheat day. day from – yeah, exactly. So whatever I eat on Sunday doesn't count, doesn't go into my body. Uh, I think Beth's going to make a, a little cookie dough dip, maybe bring some pretzels with it. I don't, I'm probably not going to contribute anything except for, you know, great insights that I learned from yeah. Brian Phillips and, and Joe, McAtee. Joe McAtee. But yeah, exactly. But that's all, that's all I got. But uh, so yeah, my favorite episode, I, I think of the year, we are not going to do a winners mainly because these guys covered everything and you don't need to hear Smalls and Bart and I talk about it. So taking our Thursday, this Thursday off again, but uh, Smalls, before we get to the episode, anything else to add? I got nothing, man. I'm I'm just excited. Super Bowl Sunday is always a fun day, even when my teams aren't in it. It's a fun game to watch. It's a spectacle. Everyone enjoy it. Have a good time. Don't go to work on Monday. That's my <laughs> advice. Yeah, we should have a whole episode about how the Monday after the Super Bowl should should be a holiday. Like it's just nobody gets any work done. The game's on late, you know, whatever. But uh as always, we appreciate everybody who listens. And uh if you like what you hear, please rate us five stars, leave us a review. Uh, get in touch with us. If you do leave us a five-star review, I will send you a koozie. Just send me a screenshot. You can get in touch with us at Create Your Shot on Twitter, Create Your Shot Pod on Instagram, Create Your Shot uh, on Facebook, and Create Your Shot at gmail.com. Uh, we'll be back next week with a normal coaching interview. And then I believe, like I have said before, we are going to start doing some where are they type interviews on Fridays where we just kind of catch up with some of our guests, talk to them about how their season's going and everything like that. Uh, if you're going to the Final Four, get in touch with us. We are going to do a little bit of a meetup down there, small or up there. Smalls and I will be in Minneapolis bundled up. I'm sure in Minneapolis, Smalls in April, it's probably still like 12 degrees. But we're going to be there, I believe, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, looking to you know maybe meet, have a couple adult sodas, kind of just see how the community's doing. And uh, other than that, just enjoy this week's interviews with Brian Phillips from Pat's Pulpit and Joe McAtee from Turf Show Times. <laughs> Brian Phillips, editor and senior writer for Pat's Pulpit. Uh, the second Pat's Pulpit guy we've had on last year had Bern Bachmuster on. We're just going to keep rolling through the website because the Patriots are going to make the next 10 Super Bowls. But uh, Brian, we appreciate you joining us and we're going to break down some of the coaching matchups. But my first question is, does it get tiring having to watch your team play every February? Like just knowing your season's a month longer than everyone else's, do you just get exhausted? <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. Um. You know, uh, yeah, you know, it's a long season, you know, long, deep into the winter every year, you know, it's just, it's grueling. Yeah. No, it, it's, I mean, it's awesome. You know, um, the, the, the pit in your stomach starts forming, you know, after the last, after week 17, you know, that like every play and every game is, is potentially the end of the year. And that, uh, that anxiety, uh, continues throughout each game. And it's, 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 it's such an awesome feeling. And, uh, yeah, it's definitely a special, special thing to be a part of. Yeah, I can imagine. And I do, I want to ask before we dive into it, what were your thoughts on this team? You know, obviously great game against the Chiefs. They just blow out the Chargers. But 
I, I think everyone kind of circled the Dolphins game earlier in the regular season where they lose on the Hail Mary. It's kind of like, ah, oh, this team is slow. Like, it's going to be really hard to get home field advantage. You know, if I talked to you six to eight weeks ago, what do you think the differences between the team then and, and now going in as the favorite in the Super Bowl are t- with, with the, the Pats now? Yeah, I think, you know, I think this team really turned the corner um, after that after that tough, uh, that huge loss in uh, in Tennessee. And they went into the bye week uh, and they came out of the bye after week 11 and they just steamrolled the Jets in New York and they uh, and then they steamrolled Minnesota at home. Obviously, Minnesota ended up not being as, as talented and, and, and didn't perform as well as we thought this year. But uh, those two games, they came out and they just, in, you know, imposed their will on two opponents uh, with the run game. Um, that was a sign to me that that they had turned the corner and their defense really started clamping down and played well. Then they, then they laid an egg in Miami like they do every time. But I really look at it as... Uh, that the Miami game and the Pittsburgh game are really just two outliers of this this the second half of really really good football that they've played. So um, I, I think it, you know it's just a different identity that this team has this year as opposed to other years. You know, with this this ground centered game uh, game plan each week. Um, obviously, there's wrinkles every 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 week and whatnot. But um, I really think yeah that that bye week is when they when they turn the corner and their defense really uh, really started clamping down like I said and, and they started just running the ball on anybody it doesn't matter who they were who they faced they could run the ball on anyone so yeah and as we get into this matchup of the Super Bowl I, I mean everyone's talking about you know Sean McVay the guy's a boy genius he talks you know he makes press conferences says all these long play calls all, all this kind of crazy stuff that's Sean McVay everyone's enamored with the guy where, how do you see Sean McVay attacking the Patriots' defense? And where where are the weak points that you think Sean McVay is going to really look to attack? First of all, I am all on board on the Sean Sean McVay. You know, like uh, McDreamy. Yeah. I mean, he's just uh, he's. I've been like un, un, unapologetically like pro McVay. Obviously, up until uh, this week, of course. But I mean, he's great. He's an amazing offensive mind, no doubt about it. I, I lost a lot of respect for the guy when he didn't go for it on fourth and one from like the one foot line in the NFC Championship. I, I was a big fan of like he he plays balls to the wall, and then he was like he kicked it there, and I was like, all right, Sean, you can't be my guy, I man. Like I was like the opposite. I, I've I've come like full circle and then full circle again to where I think like he made <laughs> he made kicking that field goal like awesome. He made that cool. Like he made kicking it on fourth and one. <laughs> he made, he made it cool. He put a face on it. Like hey, if Sean. McVay does it. Legitimately, every interview is every interview is going to be like, "What would you do on fourth and one from the one foot line?" And if you don't say that, they're not going to hire you because they're like, "Well, this is not what Sean McVay would have done, so you can't be an NFL head coach." <laughs> right. But um, I mean, getting to, to to the question about how how he's going to attack this Patriots defense, I think you know when I look at it, I mean, obviously there's going to be. They're, they don't. They don't really disguise what they do very often. You know, they they are in twelve person, or excuse me, they're in eleven personnel, like more than any other team. I think it's somewhere around eighty. You know, in the mid eighties, and from a percent percentile, um, there you know you know who's going to be on the field. You know what they're going to do. You know they're going to stretch you out. Um, and realistically, I think the Patriots. Um, well. If I'm McVay and I'm attacking this Patriots defense, and I'm, I'm I know that they're going to be running more of this cover one um, and sometimes cover zero stuff that they've been doing lately. Um, I, I really think that he's going to uh, get that outside outside zone running game going um, because you know that's where the Patriots are soft, especially if Malcolm Brown is getting a lot of snaps. Um, and 
you know, and I, I really don't think they're going to do anything, anything out of the ordinary, you know, what they're, what they're doing works. Right. You know, so um, I think we'll see a lot more of the same, a lot of stacks, you know, tight bunch formations, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of horizontal motion and jet sweep fakes. And, and then what I assume will be a healthy Todd Gurley, it's going to be kind of a nightmare. Yeah. And, and to that point, what do we see from Flores? Like I, I, everyone knows, like when the Rams run the ball, when they can run the ball, they're so dangerous. Because now Jared Goff, he's going to have a little more time in the pocket, a little more on play action. He's going to be able to take his shots. So what? It, what do you expect from Brian Flores in terms of not necessarily doing something different, but maybe some play calls to create that pressure and also stop that run game? Yeah, I think um, a big difference from what we've seen from Brian Flores this year in general has just been a, a ton more, a, a lot more pressure, a lot more blitzes, um, especially on third downs. And it helps when you can trust your your, your secondary to uh, to lock up, like like Stephon Gilmore, who has probably played better than any DB in the league this year, um, and uh, and uh, undrafted free agent JC Jackson has been uh, a godsend um, as you know, a kind of the CB two. We saw him lock up on uh, on Kelsey for a good bit of the uh, the game last week. Um, he allows you to, to allows you to bring that pressure. Obviously, the, Trey Flowers is is the key to their their pressure and uh, up front. But um, he's dialing up a lot of creative blitz packages, and uh, and they're doing a lot of that uh, that amoeba front um, where you don't know who's coming. You know, sometimes sometimes Patrick yeah, Chung is the guy. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And some, you know, last week we saw Patrick Chung setting the edge like four or five times, you know, the, just how the personnel breaks out. We saw Adam Butler dropping into coverage, you know, like crazy things. But um, I think, you know, I think we'll see a lot of that uh, this this weekend or yeah, this, well, I guess, yeah, it is this weekend. Um, and uh, but with Flores, really, it, it is that more aggressive approach because he knows he's got those guys in the secondary to lock down. Do you think, uh, I, I thought after halftime, the Chiefs, it, it seemed like Andy Reid didn't really adjust at all in the first half of the AFC title game. But then in the, in the second half, it felt like they tried to get mismatches on linebackers. They started to get Damian Williams a little bit out of the backfield. Do you, are you expecting a healthy dose of like Todd Gurley catches, you know, five, six passes or a bunch of stuff to like uh, Josh Reynolds in the intermediate part of the field? Do you expect linebackers to be targeted in the passing game? I think I think that's exactly what you have to do um, because obviously uh, I'm anticipating Stephon Gilmore on Bob Woods and uh, and and Cooks to probably get more of the same treatment we saw with Tyree Kill last week where he's getting uh, like Jonathan Jones in a slot corner and he's getting the primary safety shade for help. But um, yeah, I mean if you can find a way to get Todd Gurley on uh, on on Kyle Van Noy or um, even Patrick Chung, uh, Patrick Chung is you know he's he's having a solid year, but, uh, you know, he's obviously, he's not the most athletic safety or box safety out there. Um, that's a win, you know, uh, and Josh Reynolds will be probably in, in this scenario would probably command coverage from, uh, Jason McCourty who, uh, struggled, struggled in uh, the divisional round and, and struggled a little bit last week. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, those are your prime matchups, right? That's where, that's where you're probably going to want to go with the football. Um, and, and Todd Gurley in space is, you know, is a, a matchup nightmare for any defense. So that's, that's, exactly who I'd anticipate would be uh would be out there now the Patriots could probably you know try to find a way to get Devin McCourty um on yeah on Todd Gurley and maybe make that his responsibility a little bit more and and play a little more that big three safety look that they've been doing a ton up until last week with Deron Harmon as that single high guy but uh yeah Todd Gurley gives me nightmares 
Does does the eleven per, does them running the ball a ton out of eleven personnel really worry you, Brian? Because I, I know like the Eagles were really good out of eleven personnel in the Super Bowl last year. It's obviously a very different team. The Rams are out of eleven a ton. The Pats have been just okay against the run. I think I saw I think I saw a tweet and I I didn't favorite it, so I'm not going to give credit to whoever did the work. I'm just going to take it as my own. <laughs> that the Pats have given up like six <laughs> yards a carry, six point one yards a carry against eleven personnel since week eleven. Does that really concern you, or do you feel like just in a one-game sample, and, and as well as the defensive front has played, and Kyle Van Noy was awesome against the Chiefs, like, are you not as concerned about that e- even after last year? Yeah, I, I think every time the Rams run the football, it's going to be a win for the Patriots in general. Like, yeah. you know, you know, just just as the as the Patriots, you know, from their perspective, on, in in how much they care about what happens in a, on the outcome of a play, I feel like they feel like if they can, obviously, you don't want to let up these chunk plays like we saw in Miami with Brandon Bolden running for like a fifty yard touchdown. But like these are the kind of things that like those those stats, you know, Dalvin Cook ran for ten yards, you know, eight or ten yards a carry um, in that Minnesota game. Uh, but you know, it wasn't, he wasn't really a factor, you know, uh, things like that, um, where, you know, as long as you're keeping Todd Gurley at bay and, you know, six, seven yards, yeah, you're going to give up some first downs, but, uh, just keep trying to force third downs is what they, is how they've been winning recently. And it's what we saw in that first half in Kansas city, just keep trying to force third downs. You're eventually going to win one or two of them with how solid the, the secondary is playing. Um, and yeah, so every, every time they can get, uh, the ball out of, uh, you know, out of Goff's hands and into, into a running back's hands and they can, you know, kind of keep the plays in front of them and, you know, play that same. It's so stereotypical. It's what we hear every year. It's cliche with the Ben don't break ben defense. Don't break. For, for, yeah, exactly. Right. It like drives you crazy, but it's, it's, it's what they do. You know, they, they really don't care if you can run it a little bit. But uh, as long as as long as you're not working in um, some serious play action wrinkles and really getting them off balance and for chunk plays, uh, they're they're more than happy with you uh, playing into their game plan. What is the most terrifying thing about this Rams offense for the Patriots? What do you think that is? Yeah, we talked about it a ton. I think I think it's healthy. I think it's a healthy. I think it's Todd Gurley in space, like in the passing game. You know, um, because obviously I've got a ton of confidence in what Stephon Gilmore's doing. Um, I think they're going to continue to do a ton of man coverage um, like we saw in Kansas City. They didn't play zone until like 10 minutes left in the third quarter on against Kansas City. And the, the zone versus man numbers um, on what they're allowing is is, is crazy. But uh, but Todd Gurley is, you know, if you're going to play that zone coverage uh, or excuse me, that man coverage uh, at, at such a high clip, Todd Gurley is going to get a matchup against somebody very good. You know, it's not going to, it doesn't, you know, as long as it's, if he's not matched up on a corner, um, it's a, it's, it's a win for, for the Rams. And I mean, he can, he can house just about anything uh, once he's in space. So that, that that's the guy that I, I feel like Bill Belichick is, is honing in on this week. And he's going to make, I really feel like that's, that's going to be his primary concern. Almost like we saw with Marshall Falk back, you know, 18 years ago. Well, are you really concerned about Jared Goff, Brian, just as a as a Pats fan and as someone who studies the team? Because we do know what Belichick's numbers are against young quarterbacks. Goff has a propensity to throw it away and give up on plays if he doesn't get through his progression. We've seen really good defensive fronts bother him. But at the same time, like he was really, really good this year. He's not Pat Mahomes, but he's very good. Are, are you concerned about Jared Goff or you feel like Belichick will do a pretty good job against a guy who doesn't get through his progressions as much as you'd like to see from a young quarterback? Um, yeah, obviously he's not, he's not as concerning to me as like a Pat Mahomes, like you said, but, 
I mean, I, and I'm trying not to harken back to like last the last Super Bowl, you know. But it, you know, like Nick, like playoff Nick Foles, like like yeah, you know, this like is one of the greatest it's, quarterbacks it's of all to, time. Yeah, just right up there with Brady. <laughs> BDN. Well, we yeah, we've never seen like last year was the first time we ever really watched somebody go shot for shot on offense with the Pats since maybe like Carolina, you know, in like 2004 yeah. or whatever. You know, most of the time they play these lower scoring games. And we, we hadn't seen somebody really hit back. Now, the Rams are definitely capable, just like the Eagles were last year. So that's why I was, you know, kind of thinking about golf a little bit, because it feels like people are just like, oh, Belichick does great against young QBs. But, I mean, we watched golf go from playing just horrendous in the first quarter to making huge throws when it mattered in the NFC title game. So I was curious what you think about that and what you think Belichick's plan just in disguising coverages will be. But it feels like you feel more confident about the secondary than anything else on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I definitely do. And especially um, going into this game, I feel a hell of a lot better about the secondary than I did last season. Um, obviously, when game day rolled around and, you know, Malcolm Butler wasn't active, it was kind of just like an absolute disaster. And Eric Rowe was getting cooked. And, and it was just, that was brutal. Um, you know, <laughs> Johnson, bad emojis out there getting snaps. Like, yeah, uh, terrible. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Jared Goff, I mean, they make it. They make it so easy for him to just pick defenses apart. I mean, that's what's that's the beauty of this McVay system, right? Like, it's if you got a guy who can feather in footballs and make all the throws, um, you know, that, and it's going to be an environment where it's not like the Superdome. You know, he's going to be able to hear McVay in his head in his headpiece, and you know, McVay is going to be able to to diagnose everything for him up until that time limit goes off, and he's going to be able to make the, there 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 are going to be passing lanes. The Patriots just have to. Uh, and, and I'm so curious because I really do think they will keep the man coverage, uh, you know, that that strong presence in man coverage up around 75 percent like they did last week. But, um, you know, there are going to be you're going to have to play zone eventually. And and Jared Goff, you know, is capable of standing back there and and, and churning out chunk plays with these uh, these skill guys around him. You know, guys like the guys that, I, that I'm really even a little more concerned about, too, are. Guys like Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett who are going to be getting Gerald up Everett. these seams, you know, like yeah, like I mean, these guys are athletes, man. They get they, they just keep rolling athlete after athlete against you, and they're they're going to get their points. It's just it's just a matter of uh, of keeping them at bay and kind of playing more into your game plan. So that's actually interesting because we do talk every year switching gears to the offense about controlling the tempo, and a lot of times it was always the Patriots going tempo and Brady throwing, you know, against the Falcons, Brady throws it sixty some odd times, and I don't know the exact number, fifty plus times, but. The last two weeks, it's been a heavy dose of Sony Michelle. I, I mean, I think he had 29 carries uh, last week. And then I, I almost think he had like 24 carries in the first half. And then Burkhead, you know, kind of salts the game away. I mean, do you expect against this Rams front four, which is, I mean, terrifying. Aaron Donald is unbelievable. Do you expect to see the same type of first half play calling from McDaniels where we're going to see heavy dose of the running back, short passes to James White, and just try to control the tempo and just keep the Rams offense off the field rather than tiring out their defense. You know, there there will definitely be um, aspects of it, but I think we'll see a little bit more of what we saw um, in the, in that, uh, that Chargers game uh, a few weeks ago where they came out uh, the first couple of plays that they came out, they came out in a, you know, like a pony package two two true running backs set. it was 21 personnel, but it was two, two running backs. It was uh, Burkhead and white um, just to get, just to get the chargers off balance. Um, and you know that if you're going to keep rolling out this big personnel uh, you know, you're playing right into that, that Rams defense's hands, right? Like, I mean, when you got Michael Brockers playing on the nose because you've got Aaron Donald and Nick Dominican Sue at three tech, like that's that's a nasty front to try to like 
you know, that's disgusting. Like it's stupid. Like it's their front four is ridiculous. And like double and triple teams, like Donald just gets home anyway. Like he's terrifying. Their, their front four is terrifying. Dante Fowler goes from being like an afterthought to being involved in like every big play that feels like the Rams have made the last five weeks. Like it's their, right. their, their front four is scary. Yeah, and, and and like we, you know, the, the Patriots have seen Dante Fowler this year. He created problems in Week Two in Jacksonville. Like you know, they 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 know. Yeah, and Marcus Cannon talked about it how they uh, they can get after the quarterback. But I mean, yeah, I, I don't I don't think we'll see the Patriots come come out and and play right into the Rams' hands in that sense. I think they want to get Michael Brockers off the field, right? I think they want to get them into their. So I think we'll see a lot more. Uh, 21 personnel and a lot more 11 personnel with, you know, still maintaining the ground game. Um, and we might even see some of these modified um, uh, 21 personnel looks with James Devil in it, but they're still split out with five wide, you know. Um, but just to get, uh, because I really don't feel like they're going to want to run into that. Those three in the, in, on the interior, as good as the Patriots interior offensive line has been this year, uh, this is probably their biggest, the the, the, the best you know, the best individual matchup um, on the interior that they're going to see the entire season. So I, I don't, I can't imagine Josh McDaniels would want to play into the Rams' hands in that sense, you know. In terms of the passing game, too, I mean, what they, you know, if you look at the Eagles and the Bears film, right, everyone goes back to that because those are the two teams that really did a great job on Aaron Donald. They double and triple team them, especially in the passing game. The Bears, a lot of times, were throwing three guys at them. Do you expect something like that? When Brady's dropping back, or are they gonna are they gonna take their shots a lot of times? Also, I think the difference here now is Sue's playing at a different level. So you put on that Bears and Eagles film. Well. Right. Oh yeah. The Hamilton Sue is totally different player right now in the playoffs. So that's scary to double and yeah. triple team them. So how do you think they kind of uh neutralize that interior defensive line? I think yeah, I, I mean I think obviously you'll see a lot of Andrews and Tooney um doubling Donald when they can. Um you know, and Dominick Sue, you're right. Like he's back into that top five interior defensive lineman tier when he's the way he's playing right now. Uh, he's just he's an absolute animal. Um, but I think we'll just see. Uh, the Patriots aren't shy with keeping you know and just running three guys into into a route tree and keeping guys home. Um, their running backs Quick all are this. excellent. Yeah, I mean their running backs are some of the best uh, best blitz pickup and, and and run blocking or run blocking. Listen to me, pass blocking running backs in the league. Um, and, uh, and th- they're, they're not shy about keeping James Devlin, even in shotgun, they'll have Devlin, uh, next to Brady, just, uh, just helping for po- you know, pocket integrity. Um, and th- they'll chip, uh, with, with Dwayne Allen and, and Rob Gronkowski. And sometimes they'll just keep Gronk home. Uh, they they'll, they're not going to let, uh, a pass rush beat them. They know that that's the only way that they can't really keep their offense on track. Um, and, uh, obviously they will get the ground game going a little bit and try to work some play action in, but you got to be careful when you're running play action against a guy like Aaron Donald, you know, um, he, he, he just, he, he's out there and he, he, he can just wreck your world. The second he, and he's so smart and instinctual, he'll, he'll key it. And, uh, and, and you've got yourself a disaster on your hands. The second he keys and recognizes a play action, he's slipping through and he's just creating havoc. What is Brady? I guess the word I'm going to use, and we've heard it from Coach Dunf a lot, is what is he salvating about? Like, who is he looking at? And he's saying, I'm just going to pick apart this part of the Rams defense. Is it like a Gronk matchup? Is it like an alleys or an outside look? What is Brady saying to myself? I'm going to throw these quick passes and I'm going to take a shot kind of thing uh, against the Rams defense. I think he's looking at this uh, Rams D. And I think, especially when they come out in, um, 
and, and again, I, th- I still think they'll do a lot more 11 personnel than they did last week against Kansas City. But, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll still have a lot of times. They'll, they'll be uh, getting that Rams base defense. I think anytime that Rams base defense is out there, they're going to want to have James White on the field. They'll, they'll, write, they'll run James White out of these big personnel packages just because they can break it apart and do a modified, uh, modified formation with the same personnel. And next thing you know, you've got James White on Mark Barron or, or, or Littleton. I think, that's, I, think it, I think we're looking at another 12, 13, 14 catch game out of James White. Um, because, I mean, 13 catches, for the, 13 catches for the Saints running backs. I mean, I think Kamara is who he is, obviously. He's a stud, right. but 11 catches for Kamara and two for Ingram. I mean, that's that's half of Goff's completions last week. So yeah. I would expect the same. I think. Yeah, a- absolutely. And and especially with, um, you know, I, I'd have to imagine uh, that, that Peters – well, I guess we'll have to see who, who's going to be taking Julian Edelman, if it's going to be like Roby Coleman in the, in the interior or, or how they handle Edelman. Obviously, he's, Edelman's going to get his targets, but – um, I think uh, I think I think Grant can really make some uh, make some noise up the seams, um, but I really do think yeah, it's going to be more of the same. Getting the ball out quick, you know, Tom Brady. Uh, what is it? Two point one eight seconds. He's averaging this year, uh, getting the ball out um, because th- there's really no. I mean, you know, there's no sense in having him with these five and seven step drops when you're going to have to you know handle Aaron Donald. Uh, oh totally no, yeah, and we know the the way to beat Brady with pressure isn't from the edges. It's up and it's up the middle, right? It's it's. You know, move him off his spot, make him go outside a little bit, throw in the run. Uh, it just doesn't happen enough where you're like, oh yeah, I've seen Brady do that. <laughs> it feels yeah, it feels like it almost never happens. I mean, Wade Phillips is one of the few guys that we've seen actually have a game plan, and he had Von Miller, but like that really bothered Tom Brady. That you know, one of the few times that really really bothered him. So that's why this is interesting, I think, because. Wade knows the blueprint. They have a D-line to do it. But do you think they'll take some deep shots on Marcus Peters? I mean, he hasn't thrown it deep a ton all year and no Josh Gordon. Philip Dorsett feels like he's good for one or two plays a game. But you think we'll see the Pats take some downfield shots against Marcus Peters because he's been so leaky in coverage? I think, yeah, absolutely. I think they can, because um, I know that Aqib Tlaib, they, they primarily stay home, right? They, they, they don't do a, a lot of traveling. No one's traveling on that uh, on that secondary. So I think you can get, um, if you can get a, a Cordero Patterson um, double move going uh, on the outside. Obviously, I, I'm, I'm an anti-Chris Hogan guy. Like, he, he's, he's, he's nice. He's whatever he is. But, like, Chris Hogan is the most bare minimum. Like, he's just never going to, he's never going to you know, break up play open because of his natural ability, right? Well, so. well Brian, did you know he played lacrosse in college, <laughs> but he's playing football now? Did you oh, know my that? God. <laughs> those, are good, those are really good. We'll get to this in a second, but those are like the really good prop bets. Like, can we get a prop bet on will they show Chris Hogan lacrosse highlights? They definitely will. Yeah. They'll show Edelman oh. versus Sean McVay, like – Maction, that's going to be yep. on TV the whole time. How many oh, times do they mention lacrosse player for Chris Hogan? Like it's got to be over under two and a half, right? Three and a half. Is, this is why the Pats are crazy, right? Because you're exactly right. Like Chris Hogan, all year, everyone's like, all right, he's their two guy. He's going to be really good. Like, and he's just not very good. And then in the Super Bowl, it would surprise nobody if he had like eight catches for like 112 yards and a touchdown. Right. And it's like, where the fuck? Where was this guy all year? You know. And it's just that's what we've got. We get from the Pats is like. Those types of guys are, like you said, Corderell Patterson. Like he, the Rams are very uh, bad against jet sweeps. I give up an average of ten yards of carry against jet sweeps. Only seen it happen like four or five times, but like it's going to happen. And Patterson's going to have a chance to break one, I think. And that's where the Pats matchups, where they don't have Josh Gordon or you know Brandon Cooks or, or anybody like that, they, they do have enough guys that can hurt you in different ways. And Belichick and McDaniel's are as good as anybody at, at exploiting that. And that's why I just was curious what they'll do against those two corners because you're right they don't move them around it's not like two years ago where they just gonna have to leave shadow gronk right i mean they, they probably won't do that 
Right. And you know, it's, it's, and it, it, it all comes back to that interior pressure that, that the Rams are going to be able to be, you know, to build because anytime Tom can step up in the pocket, he's nobody's better at that, that interior pocket movement and moving around and finding time to get a throw off, you know, when he's, when he's in these deeper step drops. But when you have to deal with Aaron Donald and then Dominic can sue in the interior, you know, the, these deep, uh, these deep routes and these long developing routes are, you know, I, I just don't think they're going to be there as much when you've got that pressure up the middle, right in Tom's face. So, um, and, and it's what we saw, you talk about Wade Phillips, you know, going back to these Broncos games. Uh, yeah, Von Miller was excellent, but Malik Jackson and Derek Wolf won that. Yeah, I mean, they, they dominated in 2015. And then Terrence Knighton in 2013 uh, was was awesome for them. So, hot like, roast, right? Hot roast, that's right. Yeah, yeah baby. Big, yeah, he's the a big TU guy. Concept. Is he a temple, temple guy? guy? Yeah, yeah he's a temple, temple guy. guy. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're big temple guys, you know. Yeah, he had, he had a cup of coffee with the Patriots a couple of uh, training camps ago. But yeah, didn't wasn't wasn't quite a fit. <laughs> Brian, what 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 will McDaniel's do if the form if like four man and three man rushes are starting to really bother the Pats O line? We haven't seen it. the last two weeks. They've been you know they've been awesome. They they were great against the Chargers, and I didn't think they would be. And then you know the Rams or I'm sorry, the Chiefs D line had been really good with Chris Jones, and and they did a pretty good job neutralizing them. But if we do start to see four man pressure get home, what what's the adjustment the Pats will make? That you, do you think? Yeah, I mean if if I think. Um... I think the depending on the game situation and the game script and all that, obviously, I think we'll see a lot of um, a lot more of you know draws with James White and going back into the conservative mode because they just don't have a way they don't they don't have the Josh Gordons the you know the, like you said the, the Brandon Cooks the guys that are that they can bail out to make one on one matchups work in their favor you know the guys to win the fifty fifty balls uh, you know Philip Dorsett is what he is but he's not he's not going to be a Brandon Cooks where you know, you could be a safety valve and, and expect them to break a huge playoff. So I, I think they, I think they go back in their shell. Um, and you know, if they're in shotgun, they'll they'll do a lot more draws and try to use the, you know, try to use the Rams' aggressiveness against them. But you know, like you said, if it's a three or four man rush that's still getting home, uh, you know, there's there's only so much you can do at that point. If that's if that's happening, I wouldn't expect the Patriots to win the game. Who's the most unlikely MVP on the Patriots' offense for this game? Like the Patriots win this game. Who who's the guy that no one expects that's going to jump out and have a monster game? Uh, Joe Tooney, left guard. Um, like this, like it's the biggest match. Catch a touchdown. Yeah. Well, that, first, say, of all, first of all, if, if, Joe, if Joe Tooney wins it, if Joe Tooney wins the MVP, we can probably get his odds at like plus a hundred thousand <laughs> right. right now. So I'm excited. Like oh, I'll yeah. lose my mind, but like this is like like uh, this is the kind of football I watch. Like uh, this is like the most fascinating thing to me because because this interior trio has been has has been unbelievable this year, like all all year long. Um, and Joe Tooney, obviously, we know all the story about him. It's his third year. It's his third straight Super Bowl. The guy hasn't he's you know he's missed like three snaps of his entire career. I think he's one of the most underrated and interior offensive lineman in the league he's going to get paid here uh in about a year but um i think how he and david andrews handle aaron donald is how this game's going to go you know if they if they can't i mean it's literally going to be that simple to me um i, I know like uh, it's it's there's so much more going on in the field at all times but that's how important controlling and containing aaron donald is and being able to run the football against a guy like aaron donald is going to be you know it, it depends on how joe tooney uh and david andrews play um if i'm going to go with a skill position guy i think I think it would be Cordero Patterson. Um, yeah, let's let's go into that real quick. Special teams is going to be a big deal, and you know we saw Zerline win the game in New Orleans with a 57 yard field goal. I don't I don't think anyone's kicking deep like that, but Patterson is dangerous. Teams don't want to kick to him. I mean, what do you expect to see uh, advantage wise to the Pats on on special teams? Do you, do you think they have a distinct advantage? 
Uh, as long as Julian Edelman isn't uh, trying to field rolling punts, um, I think we'll be okay. <laughs> you never see him make mistakes like that. It's right. such a bad play. It's just, it's just crazy. Um, but, I mean, this is this is the Patriots' bread and butter, right? The special teams, you know, Matt Slate. I mean, they dedicate a, a good portion of their salary cap every year, more than anybody else, to this this low lower middle class. And it's always chock full of guys making more than a million dollars and that are just strictly special teamers. Guys like Matt Slater, Brandon King. You know, every team has their core special teamers, but these guys are, you know, perennial, you know, Patriots in, you know, locker room all-stars. But uh, Goskowski still as lights out as it gets. Um, you know, he's one of the top three kickers in football. Uh, but uh, Cordero Patterson is is really – I was anti the trade. When they brought him in, I was like, what what the hell are they doing with Cordero Patterson in this cap hit? But he, I've like done a complete 180 on him. And the way they've integrated him in the offense and the extra yards they're getting from him on the kick returns is, is huge. I, I wouldn't kick to him if I was the Rams. I would, I would boot it out of the back of the end zone. But, uh, you know, the Patriots, this is what they do. They get those hidden yards, right, the – and, and every little nook and cranny of the game, they're always winning the field position battles on special teams. Um, as long as Julian Edelman isn't, you know, having a you know complete absence of mind, uh, I, I think uh, the check mark has to go on the Patriots side. Will we get any trick plays in this game? You think? Like the Rams love. I mean, I mean Johnny Hecker throws a pass every single week, and it's always complete. But on the Pat side, you know, we've seen Julian Edelman throw it like. We've seen uh, Corderell Patterson in the backfield when even when you have a healthy slate of running backs. Are, are we going to see any gadget stuff from the Pats, do you think? You have to think so, right? Like, um, yeah, I, I think there's also like there could, could there also be like a little ego there with Josh McDaniels when you're like facing a guy like McVay who's so creative and everything. You want to kind of roll out some some interesting things, right? Especially after last year, after losing, you know, with the Philly special right in your face on fourth down. But also right? Brady, you know, they missed that pass. They had it first. Like Brady had it yeah. almost in his fingertips. That's a that was pretty I'm much gonna the go game. Out, I'm going to go out on a limb, though. I'm going to go out on a limb on this one and say they are not going to throw the ball to Tom Brady this year. I mean, oh they did God. it once in the regular season, and he almost, against the Titans, they did it right, <laughs> and he almost got murdered. Like he got hurt. Ball's yeah. on the one yard line. It's second and goal. Are they going? Uh, is Tom Brady going and saying to Belichick, "You want to run Philly, Philly," or McDaniel's and saying Philly, Philly, and then they're going to like bring the Bud Light truck? <laughs> It always it always seems that him and McDaniel's are yelling at each other. So I don't know. They don't seem to have that sort of like. I'm sure they do have that back and forth. If they it did, like I would laugh. We, Brady's either sitting by himself looking miserable, or he's like yelling at McDaniel's, oh, and it's like this tremendous. is fun. He's the best of all time, you know. But yeah, I I, 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 I agree, Brian. I think we're gonna. I think we're definitely gonna see something. I, I yeah. for sure. Think I thought so. we'd saw. I thought we'd see a lot more last week uh, against Kansas City when we really didn't until that uh, that final drive um, with the flea flicker. Um, you know, and and that was pretty like that's pretty like 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 you know trick play one hundred and one. You learn the flea flicker, right? And um, I, I would love to see like a you know like a, like you said second and goal. Let's get like Rob Gronkowski on a jet sweep or something, and just like let him just like let him just you know like I don't, even, I don't even care. It's yeah. taking sixty seconds to get right. into the. End I don't care if it works. Run. Like I really don't care if it works. I just I need a Rob Gronkowski jet sweep in my life. You what, know what but, are we gonna see? What are we gonna see from Gronk? It feels like he's done, and then all of a sudden again, not not done. He's a great blocker. Like feels like he couldn't get open, and against the Chiefs, it just felt like it didn't matter. Like, are, are we expecting another old-school Gronk performance this week, Brian? You, you feel – I mean, you have to feel confident in that because he always shows up, but it's like 
I don't know. It felt like they dusted him off. They, as Bill Simmons would say, they, they opened up the garage and like let him drive on a Sunday for once. Yeah. Oh, Bill Simmons. Yeah, guy drives me crazy. Um, <laughs> uh, with, I mean, we saw it last year. I mean, he just took Ronald Darby to task last year, a couple times in the red zone, a couple touchdowns over hundred yards. Um, you know, last last week against Eric Berry, I mean, Gronk was good. Yeah, he's definitely lost a step, but he looked he looked as good as he's looked all year last week. Um, he had a little bit of spring, he had a little bit of shake in his routes. He was getting separation. He gets mauls down the field all game. That, that's no, nothing new, you know. You know, Eric Berry rode him all game long, and uh, and eventually, you know, Gronk got his on that. Uh, what I think is like an iconic, like for his career, if there's an iconic catch. After he retires, like that's going to be the catch, you know, on third and down, five. After down the, the, yeah, down the sideline. Yeah, like, he like, makes a great play on it. Like it wasn't even. Everyone talking about how catch. what a great. Yeah, everyone thought about what like a great throw it was, and like sure he gave him a chance, but it was like Gronk just like wanted the catch point. He just like toasted Eric Berry for that. Oh yeah. Crazy. Yeah, and, and Eric Berry's got – I mean, you got to get your – I mean, it's not like Berry lost the route or anything. So for him to not be um, – you know, he's he was in phase, they call it. You know, he was in phase on the uh, on the route. So there's no reason for his head not to be around. And then Gronk just mossed him. So that was that was a pretty iconic move. I think I think Gronk's going to have a nice game. I, I, I think they'll want to get him up the seams on play action um, and uh, and test, uh, you know, Johnson and Joyner and those, and those guys. Uh, I, you know, I, if it's Mark Barron guarding Rod Gronkowski, gets think that's a win for the Patriots um but uh but Johnson's a good player um I, I don't think we'll see anything spectacular from Gronk because he like I said he just ha- doesn't have that that explosion anymore but uh you know I'd love to see him I'd love to see him uh, cap cap the season with a with a red zone touchdown is uh before we get to score prediction and props is he done if they win the Super Bowl do you think I know I saw Brady said there was a zero percent chance he's going to retire but is this the last time we see Gronk if they win the Super Bowl or you think he's going to run it back until Tom decides he's done, I think he. I think he'll run it back. He's still under contract through next year. Obviously, the, the that cat number will be worked on. But I, 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 I think he just loves football too much. Yeah, I mean, if I was, I, I like, I wouldn't mind to see him go um, because obviously it's tough to watch him. You know, consistently take a beating like he does. Um, you kind of feel, you know, you feel for the guy's future. But man, he's grown. He he loves football, and he, what are you going to do? Tell him he can't play. You know, he's still he's still under contract through next year. Um, he can still, he still does so much for this team and he's, uh, he's really become kind of a, it's funny to, to think he's been kind of like a leader, um, cause it's Gronk, you know, he's like, he's like, he's a madman, but, um, I, I think, uh, I think he's done after his contract expires. He doesn't want to play anywhere else. He only wants to play with Tom, but after next year, I think he's done. All right. Last two things, uh, two prop bets that you've circled that, that you feel like are either good value or free money. Um, free money. Oh, um, I saw one, oh, I forget the number. I think it was four and a half times. They show, uh, Sean McVay's get back guy. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, that's, a, that's a win. That's like, a win. I doesn't, like, you can't set that over under high enough. Like that's over. Um, and yeah. then, um, oh gosh, you know what? I got to go back and take a look at him. But if there is, I mean, if there is a Chris Hogan lacrosse reference run, it's over for sure. Yeah. Like I, I, totally think, I think they have to put it at 0.5, right? Because they wouldn't want to believe you're the point. But like, I, I think it's 100% going to happen. So yes, you take the over there. The other one that I saw that was really awesome on uh, Bet Online, they had Will Tony Romo and or Jim Nance refer to Bill Belichick as a genius, and oh, and man. yes was an underdog. Yes was like plus 120. I was like, they're obviously going to Tony Romo throws around like genius and goat. When the Patriots play, like all the time, I thought that one was like totally free money. I couldn't believe. Maybe they tell him not to say it. I, I don't know. You're right. Yeah. 
Or oh, I did see one with um, Tony Romo correct play predictions. Ooh, I, for, I forget the number. But that, that's really good. But you're getting some gray area there, right? You're like, giving Tony Romo two week preparation <laughs> to call the right plays. Like, that's, that's a lot. Right. The number better be high. All right, last uh, last thing we'll get you out of here. Uh, Pats as of now are minus two and a half, and the over under is fifty six and a half. What is your score prediction, and who wins MVP? Uh, 32-26 Patriots, uh, because I'll have good square numbers this year, and it'll screw me. Uh, and um, what was that over-under again? 58? 56 and a half as of this morning. 56 and a half. What is 32 plus 26? 58? That's, that's a 58. Yeah. So we're we're over, man. Over. We're over. We're yeah, over. we're over Love in uh, Super Bowl MVP. Uh, God, I don't want to go chalk. Joe Tooney. <laughs> we'll go James White. James White will get that. Uh, we'll get that hardware this time for another fourteen catch performance. It, it it does feel like after all the years of James White that he deserves a little bit more recognition. I think it'll be hard for somebody other than like Brady to win if the Pats win. Maybe right. if Edelman has like a huge game, but it feels like James White is always like he can't even say he's an unsung hero because everyone just knows about him now and he just makes big plays or whatever. But it feels like it'd be nice to see James White get recognition if the Pats win. But for sure, he is he is uh, at B Phillips underscore SB on Twitter. Brian, are you going to Atlanta? Uh, No, we've got my managing editor down there. We were kind of 50 50 on who was going. But Burn from last year, guys, the guy you talked to, he is going to be down there um, and uh, getting all the coverage going this year. So it's going to be it's going to be a good time. I'm going to kick back and just eat a million pounds of food. Yeah, what what do you what do you do for the Super Bowl? I'm always interested about this type of thing. What what is your process? (laughs) Um, uh, it's, it's, um, uh, I got anxiety thinking about it. It's just a ball of nerves that just gets worse and worse up until game time. And there's always so much food and everything available. And I just can't really, I don't have much of an appetite and the game just kind of goes so fast that you, it's just a blur. Um, and then all of a sudden you're in coverage mode. You got to, you know, write up a piece and, and do whatever. Right away. Yeah. <laughs> are you a, uh, are you a watch a game with like a bunch of people who are casual fans or do they have to be like know what's going on because you know you're locked in like sometimes i do find myself in that scenario with with a super bowl um and then i always have to like kind of just downplay my patriots fandom and just be like you know or when i hear them say something about the patriots filming a practice which wasn't true and i have to bite my tongue you know it's um so this year i'm going to be just like kicking back it's just me and my wife we're just going to make some food and I'm just going to sit here in my anxiety and just deal with it and then uh, and try to enjoy it, try and enjoy it as much as possible. It feels like, like I said, it, it, we've had uh, back-to-back really good games. Not that the start of the Falcons game was any good, but then it turned into a really good game. So I, I hope we get another very good game because that's always exciting if you're not a Pats or Rams fan. But, Brian, we appreciate you jumping in and, and kind of dropping some knowledge on us and educating us on on why the Pats are so good and they play in the Super Bowl every year. So. Best of luck on Sunday. I know it's going to matter. And like I said, if you do have any props or you get good numbers in the square pool, I hope you get like seven and zero or seven and three <laughs> or something like that. So hopefully awesome. it'll be a little lucrative, but we appreciate it, man. And follow Brian on Twitter at Phillips underscore SB. All right. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. Be well, man. Thank you. Yeah. Guys, we got to take a quick break. The big game is right around the corner and the teams are set. Pats versus Rams. So check out the Rich Eisen show on Podcast One Sportsnet as the legendary sportscaster analyzes the plays and predicts what will happen on February 3rd. Download the Rich Eisen show every weekday on Podcast One Sportsnet or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. 
60 seconds. That's how long this commercial lasts. You know what else you can do in about a minute? Get an offer for your car with True Car. That's right. In the amount of time it takes to floss your teeth, pet your dog, do a few setups, or just listen to my voice, you can get a True True Cash offer. Best of all, you can do it from your smartphone or home. Just go to True Car and simply enter your license plate number and watch how your car's details pop up. Answer a few questions and you'll get an accurate True Cash offer from a local True Car certified dealer. It's that easy. After that, you can bring your car in and they'll check it out with you together. You can ask questions and get the answers you need so there's no surprises. Then simply leave with your check or trade in your car for a new ride. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. And now our interview with Joe McCaddy. All right, welcome on Joe McAtee, a writer at Turf Show Times, LA Rams community on SB Nation. And uh, Joe, we aren't necessarily rooting for the Rams or the Patriots, but it is, what is it, 18 years to the day of the Rams' last Super Bowl appearance, and that was obviously against the Patriots. And before we get into it, I just want to know kind of you know what your feelings are how how Rams fans kind of feel about the game on Sunday and, and how you as a lifelong fan feel yeah I'm, I'm definitely not thinking about that every night and saying <laughs> Tom Brady and Bill Belichick's names as I go to sleep and cursing the uh transgressions no uh it's tough. I was I was literally just talking earlier today uh, with one of the local reporters from the Rams media um, in our DMs about the idea that I'm probably not the best person to address the idea that we're playing the Patriots because I'm still salty over the last time we played them in the Super Bowl. And that bias, while it's good as a fan to wear it on your sleeve and be that kind of guy, I don't know that there's a lot of fans that are over. If if the Venn diagram overlaps, that sliver's real skinny. And so I think there's just so many new Los Angeles Rams fans and old Los Angeles Rams fans who don't necessarily care about the St. Louis era, that those of us either from Los, I was born in LA, that those of us who were LA Rams fans that followed the team to St. Louis or St. Louis fans that have stuck with the team, I don't know that there's enough fans who care enough about that last Super Bowl as long ago as it was to make that, you know, the the 1A storyline for this game the way that I do. Maybe it's just because I'm petty. Maybe it's just because I'm childish, but really that's the biggest thing going into this game for me is that 18 years ago, we played the New England Patriots in a Super Bowl where they cheated and they kicked a field goal to win as time expired. And good Lord, would I like to serve them back some uh, a slice of revenge pie? I mean, as as far as all the storylines go, I, I mean, this is going to be the whole like the ran, the Patriots. This started their dynasty, and now you got the young coach with McVay and the young quarterback. And is this going to be the end of the Pats? And I, I got to be honest, I think the one thing the Rams have going for them is that they're not the Patriots, right? So they pick up all these people that are just like, I am so sick and tired of the Patriots winning, and it'll end up probably being a, a pretty pro. I don't I mean the, the Super Bowl crowd is always its own kind of deal, but it'll probably be a pretty pro Rams. I would say watching or viewership. Would you not agree? I I would agree in general. I think the way I would change it is I'd say it'd be an anti-Patriots crowd. (laughs) (laughs) You're not wrong. It's pro Rams, but only because it's anti-Patriots. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. And, you know, I think that's okay. I think think one of the other big angles is the idea that this Rams team is just new. Sean McVay's new and Todd Gurley's new and Jared Goff's new and the Rams 
in terms of the relevance to the larger national audience are new. People have not paid attention to this franchise for 15 years, pretty much since the end of the greatest show on turf dissolved and the Rams went into the dark ages. And I think that's kind of fun that that, that this is the chance to reintroduce the Rams to a bigger audience and to do it as the Los Angeles Rams before we even get into the new stadium. I think there's something pretty entertaining about it. So going into kind of some of these new guys, I I think the biggest thing for me is, you know, Sean McVay is probably the biggest star. I, I understand that Gurley's great, you know, and everything like that. But Sean McVay is the guy that everyone really talks about. And as former coaches, like, that's what we want to talk about a little bit is the matchups. And I kind of want to dive in right away with Jared Goff because we know how Belichick, you know, we know what his record is against young quarterbacks. Goff had an unbelievable season. I feel like he isn't getting a ton of respect as a, as a very good quarterback. What do you seem to think about what McVay is going to do to make this game easier for Jared Goff? Yeah, it's going to be a. Tr- I, th- I think in terms of making it easier, a lot of it depends on the offensive line. Um, if you c- when you look at the games coming out of the bye where he struggled against Detroit, against Chicago, and then against Philadelphia, the offensive line didn't play well at all. In the last two games where the offensive line has been spectacular in the playoffs, Goff has looked really, really, really good at times. And even if you go before the bye, it's kind of a similar situation where. When the pocket's clean, he's been fantastic, and when it hasn't been, he's kind of struggled. Now, maybe late against the game, against the Saints in the conference championship, he had some plays that he was making against pressure that were unusually good, even for him. But I think the difference is, you're talking about a guy that's in his third year, that is still incredibly inexperienced, that even if you count 2016, the seven games that he played under Jeff Fisher, they kind of come with a weird Jeff Fisher asterisk attached to them. Um and he's still only 24 years old. So, the, you know, think about Tom Brady, right? When, when we think about Tom Brady, how much time do we spend thinking about his first three seasons in the league and how much of that kind of defined who he is? Uh, I, I, th- I think Jared Goff is slowly, but thankfully, becoming the quarterback that he's going to be defined as for his NFL career. And given how that's happening, it's really exciting. So the, the good thing is that the offensive line is capable of protecting him to let him be himself and to run the system. I know that there was that facetious term, uh, system quarterback that got applied to him in the middle of the season. We kind of owned it at Tertio Times to say, look, to a degree, every quarterback's a system quarterback. Every quarterback has to run a system, right? And every, everybody has weapons. It's just that A, our system's better. B, our weapons are better. And C, golf's better than most of those system quarterbacks. So we kind of in, you know embraced it. And the fact that he's continued to grow in this system and flourish with the weapons he has, I don't know any reason why Rams fans wouldn't be enjoying that. And, and, and if they can do that against the Patriots on this stage, good Lord, man, look out. Yeah. And, and you mentioned, obviously, the offensive line being critical and then you bring up weapons. So I'm going to straight up ask you, Todd Gurley, C.J. Anderson, the Pats defense giving up 6.1 yards per carry against 11 personnel. How critical in this game is it for the Rams to establish the running game early and get that started? Because just in my opinion, I feel like Jared Goff, any quarterback actually, is way better when they can go play action. They can run the ball a little bit. So do you see that as a focus early and often in this game? Todd Gurley, C.J. Anderson, a heavy dose of that against this Pats defense? Without question, especially because the Rams run play action so frequently. I think that the strange thing is the game that they're coming off of, right? If you had told me five months ago that the Rams would make the NFC Championship and in that game, Todd Gurley would get four carries and C.J. Anderson, who wasn't even on, <laughs> He's the, on the couch, would, <laughs> would get 16 carries. There's, there's, 
I, I would have been very confused as to what you were talking about and why your version of Back to the Future 5 was so poorly written by the screenwriters. It's, it's one of those things where I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to expect between this specific set up between an injured Todd Gurley who's just not 100%. I know he's being coy about it and the team's trying to be what's the right word? It's not necessarily professional, but they're they're trying to keep it under wraps cuz they don't want to reveal anything and it's one of those things where they don't know that you got to show up on Sunday and see how the knee looks and how he feels with it. At the same time, CJ Anderson was not in phenomenal shape <laughs> when he joined the team and he admitted to it. He still he still doesn't look like he's in great shape, but he I mean he keeps not you know he's not fumbling he keeps moving forward it's, like I it's don't one know, of those great things working. where you look at like old John Cruck when he used to play for the Phillies right where it's like this guy does is not shaped like an athlete but man he plays like what it it works it works for him and so it's one of those things where yes I expect the Rams to really force the running game early on because it sets up so much of what they do. They didn't get a lot done on the ground. CJ Anderson had 16 carries for 44 yards. He wasn't productive, but they kept pounding it to try to force it because they knew that it would open up some other things in the passing game. And it did, especially in the fourth quarter, working to Brandon cooks and Josh Reynolds. So I I expect that they're going to have to try to do that. The success that they have, uh, you know, I think, especially for C.J. Anderson, he's completely reliant on the offensive line. C.J. Anderson is not making anybody miss. He doesn't have, you know, jukes or anything. And Todd Gurley is coming off of a four-carry game. His knee's just not 100%. So we're going to have to see how it works out in that first half. How about Todd Gurley out of the backfield and, and how important that may be? I mean, they, they, they did, I, I think they got Damian Williams. The Chiefs got Damian Williams a couple times in the second half. It looked like one of the bigger adjustments they made. But we saw Gurley have those just two terrible drops in the first half of the NFC Championship game. Like I said, I mean, part of it's probably injuries. I, I don't know, you know, but do you think they're going to try to get the short passing game going as well? It's tough. I, I mean, I mean, normally I'd say yes because he's yeah. so good in open space. And the thing is, if, if if you're covering the Rams deep into the outside where they've got Robert Woods and Brandon Cook stretching the field, and that's one of the things McVeigh does is he likes to really stretch the field horizontally. Is that if you do that, then you've got Todd Gurley across the middle, and if you give Todd Gurley a reception with one linebacker and nobody else within 15 yards, that's going to be a huge play. The problem is they did that at the end of regulation in a reception he had and Alex Anzalone came down and tackled him. And there's no way that Gurley is tackled on that play when he's healthy. So it's one of those things where you look at it and say, wait a second, if we've got to take this out of our playbook, if Gur- if, if this isn't the Todd Gurley that we know, it's almost like he's odd early. You take a, you take away 20% of who he is and, and, and try to decide, is this good enough to run the rest of the offense? I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd say this 99% of the time, Todd Gurley on the screen game, if teams blitz, is maybe the most, you know, destructive pass pattern in the NFL. I don't know that that's the case right now. And so it's tough, man. It's it's unfortunate is really what it is, because if there's any time that you want Todd Gurley to be healthy, this is it. But, you know, that's the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah, and and just to you know, obviously the the Rams offense so electric, and McVay has these creative play calls. He's he's almost a savant in a sense that he's this thirty two year old guy who's having this big of an impact on the NFL. What's the philosophy to get downfield with the wide receivers against this Patriots defense and really get open it up for a guy like Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, who's had a huge season, and then this. 
this emergence of Josh Reynolds. So how are they going to do that? How he's going to set it up? It's three things. It's number one. What you mentioned was play action. The Rams run a ton of play action. Uh, and, and because they can be effective normally with Todd Gurley, but even with CJ Anderson, that can soften things up between the linebackers and the safeties. That's number one. Number two is jet sweep motion. They run a ton of lateral motion pre-snap. And what was always fun to watch is especially when we had Cooper cup healthy, he's been out the last month and a half when he tore his ACL is that between Cooper cup, Robert Woods, Brandon cooks, and, and even a tight end. They'll motion anybody pre-snap. And the thing is, sometimes they'll even pitch it to them. So it forces defenses to have to adjust to that with some sincerity where you don't know if that guy that's coming in motion behind Jared Goff at the snap is going to take the handoff or if it's going to be a play action or if he's just going to transition into a normal passing route. And and, and it makes it really difficult to adjust for. So number one, you've got the play action. Number two, you've got the jet sweep. And number three, it's the diversity of layers that they go through while running the same personnel. The Rams famous run the same personnel of one tight end, one running back. They don't do a lot of other personnel groupings. If you look at some of the numbers, people have written about it. They almost exclusively operate from that same personnel group. And so because of that, almost every play looks the same before they go into pre-snap motion. And it's very unique across NFL teams where if if other teams have a tell when they've got two tight ends on the field and you know it's going to be one of two or three plays, or if teams go to two running backs and you know it's going to be one of two or three plays, the Rams don't do that. And so there's no real way to know what they're running based on the pre-snap look. And that's been something that's been unique to McVay's time going back to last year. But this year it's been exacerbated even more. I think part of that was when they lost Tavon Austin. He was kind of uh, forced into that role as a uh, you know, a role player for the jet sweep. But once they lost him, they could use it for Robert Woods. They could use it for Cooper Cup. They could use it for Josh Reynolds. They could use it for anybody. And they have. And it just made it incredibly difficult to know what they're doing until the snap. And that's part of what makes it fun is when you look at the Rams offense, a lot of the plays look exactly the same. You could take four or five snaps in a row that look exactly the same going into the snap. And they're five completely different plays. Let me ask you something. What's, who's the most unlikely star, offensive star for the Rams in this game? Star, I'll give you one star and one with potential. The star would be Austin Blythe, the right guard. So going into the Love season, we little hog yeah, we've, action, muckers and grinders. He, he is definitely the hogger on that offensive line. Was We felt pretty good about the offensive line, but Jamon Brown was the starting right guard last year. He got suspended. He got busted for marijuana, missed the first two games. So they promoted Austin Blythe to the spot, and he's been fantastic all year. So he's one of those guys that's quietly – uh been an absolute you know surprise in the best way possible all year and has really kept up his end uh at that right guard spot the other one the one with the most potential and i I really don't know why he hasn't been exploited more maybe it's because it's so easy when you know the rams last year had sammy Watkins. so last year you got sammy Watkins, robert woods cooper cup todd Gurley. this year you got brandon cooks robert woods Cooper Cup, we lost him. Josh Reynolds comes up. You got Todd Gurley. But Gerald Everett, who they took in the draft last year, is one of the more athletic tight ends in the NFL. And given Sean McVay's history coaching tight ends when he was at Washington, I'm surprised that he hasn't been involved in the passing game more. He's one of the best yards after the catch tight end receivers that I've ever seen. And so I'm just surprised. A lot of the time what they use more is uh, Tyler Higbee. He's more of a functional blocker, and he's more a straight Y uh, slot tight end. 
Uh, and, and maybe that's just more conventional, and that's kind of what McVeigh's trying to roll with, at least at this point in Jared Goff's career. But, man, Gerald Everett is incredibly athletic and has moves for a tight end. The kind of moves that I was saying C.J. Anderson doesn't have, Gerald Everett has them. And so I mean, he's and somebody. a little bit against the Saints. Like he did. Two, he kind of busted out. 50 yards. He had like a 39-yard catch that was really, really big. And that's what he can do. He, he's incredibly athletic for his size, and he's somebody that, to this point in his career, I thought we would have gotten more production out of. I don't know that I'd hold him against him because there are so many other options for the Rams, but he could be the guy on potential that could have a big game that maybe hasn't to this point. Obviously, last week, uh, the Saints game notwithstanding. But Austin Blythe is one of those guys who's been a star all year, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if he continues that this week. What do you think are probably the, the, the three main keys for the Rams on offense going into this game? Just if you had to be super, sum it up super simply, like what do you think the, the three things they got to do the best are? Number one's offensive line. The, the offensive line, you could, you could argue they won the game against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, so their performance, both in the run and in the pass, I would put that number one. Number two is Jared Goff has to avoid fluky turnovers. He's had a couple. He's Here's the thing, and we talked about it last week on our podcast, is sometimes Jared Goff does some of the things that Pat Mahomes does. The thing is, Mahomes makes it look good. And everybody sees that and says, wow, that's incredible. Jared Goff looks like a baby giraffe who got drunk on moonshine. And so it's one of those things where you see it and you're like, man, that doesn't look right, but it works. It works. When he does it, it works. When he scrambles, you know, against the Cowboys to win the game or when he makes those those off script plays against the Saints in the fourth quarter and in overtime, it doesn't look good at all, but it works. And so when he can avoid the the pitfalls of those situations and some of the if you go back to the Philadelphia and the Chicago games that we lost in the regular season, those are just turnovers that, man, he shouldn't have had. But it's just the, the sometimes the way the ball bounces and may, maybe just the flukiness of, of the moment. If he can avoid those, it doesn't have to be great plays, but if he can avoid those turnovers, that, w- that would obviously go a long way in making sure that the offense can sustain drives. I think the third aspect is just going to be McVay. Sometimes he gets in his head too much and he's, you know, throwing a 40 yard bomb on first and 10. And it's like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, I, I get it that it's possible, but he gets too, too big on himself and too big on the opportunity, waste some timeouts. I think that would be the third aspect is for a guy as inexperienced as he is, not his age, but his inexperienced as a coach. He's got a guy in Wade Phillips that can come over and put something in his ear to say, look, man, you don't need to go and put the horse in full sprint in the first quarter. This is a long game. We can grow into it. You need to let Jared Goff go into it, especially if the offensive line is is cranking and we got things working otherwise. If he's not making those mistakes, if the offensive line's working, Sean McVay should be able to get the offense going. Those would be my three keys. Speaking of Wade Phillips, one of the one of the defensive coordinators, and in, in, I mean, it feels like not many have had a lot of success, but one guy that's had a, a good amount of success against the Pats and Tom Brady. And I, I guess like the first question just on the defensive side of the ball do you expect to see – I mean, the Patriots have been so run heavy the last two weeks in the first half of games. I think Sonny Michelle had 19 carries against the Chargers and then 24 carries in the first half against the Chiefs. Do you expect to see the Pats come out and try to run on the Rams in their front four? Yeah. I mean, their offensive line's been that good, and the Rams' run defense at times this season has been bad enough to invite that. Um, I, I think the one thing that might be interesting is the Rams' run defense has been so good in the playoffs – uh, you know, against the Saints with Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, and then against the, the Cowboys with Ezekiel Elliott. They've been phenomenal. So if they can stop them, it might force the Patriots to go to page two, page three. But I think, yeah, page one is going to be pretty heavy on trying to establish the run for sure. 
What do you think about, uh, obviously, one of the biggest keys to beating Tom Brady is you get pressure up the middle. You don't let him step up in the pocket. The Rams have the best player in the NFL to do that. No question about it. You can it. say his name. Say Aaron it. Aaron Donald. Absolutely. <laughs> like it. <laughs> I mean, I'm so, ex- I mean I'm, I'm so excited to see it, you know, because we haven't seen a guy, you know, from the interior, ha- you know, that's capable of causing so much pressure on Tom Brady. We really haven't seen that guy. We've seen all- defensive lines capable of doing it in the past. But the Rams, obviously, Aaron Donald's the head of the snake in that regard. How much blitzing do you think we're going to see from Wade Phillips? That's interesting. And, and that that's one of the things that's hard to figure out before the game because it depends on who's winning one-on-one battles. The Rams wanted more out of Indomitian Sioux this season than what they got. But what's been great, I mean, just the same way we talked about the run defense that had he's been awesome, he's been awesome in the playoffs. Just like the yeah. run defense that has had struggles in the regular season, the run defense has been great in the playoffs. Indomitian Sioux didn't have the season a lot of us were hoping for on the Rams side. He's been great in the playoffs. And so, you know, if, if he's that guy, uh, and you, Aaron Donald is always that guy, Michael Brockers is a plus in run support, maybe a minus in pass rushing. But when you put those three together by themselves, they can kind of control a front seven. I think the problem for the Rams is they are the front seven. The linebackers for the Rams are without question the weakest unit. Samson Abukam and Dante Fowler, the edge pass rushers, aren't very good. And Fowler was an upgrade on Matt Long. That's why the Rams traded for him midseason. Um, it's tough. And if they're not getting edge rush support and the Patriots offensive line is handling and Dominican Sue and you're going to have to double team Aaron Donald more often than not if they can handle those two Sue and Donald and deal with the edge pass rush Wade Phillips is going to have to find a way to get to Tom Brady because it's Tom Brady you know that if he's got time he's going to pick the Rams apart what's the actual where are the mismatches on the Patriots O-line do you think for the Rams front four <sighs> it, it really comes down to Aaron Donald um, against the Chicago Bears, they double and triple teamed him at times, and it worked. They did. They did a great job isolating him and saying, "Look, Samson Abukam and Dominican Sue beat us over here," and we they couldn't do it. Um, I think I think that's really the point of attack is if is if if the Patriots feel comfortable that they can isolate Aaron Donald one on one, if Donald's going to win those battles more often than not. I, I, I love the uh, like idea that they might do that and Bill Belichick's some sort of like genius, you know, I just, I can't see it. You it's know hard. I mean? yeah. It's like, really hard to, to, to put your faith in anybody blocking Aaron Donald one one That was what he said today at a uh, opening night in Atlanta was no, they don't have to do anything different. Just uh, send, send one guy. Well, let's do one-on-one all night. Um, if, the, if for whatever reason they try to do that in pockets, Aaron Donald's going to be Aaron Donald and got to find a way to make those splash plays. Otherwise, it's going to be on these other guys, and they they just got to find a way to win. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's that's absolutely true. You go one-on-one with that guy, he's just going to destroy. I'll say his name, Aaron Donald. But I do want to, I want to talk about the Rams. You know, they come off a game where they really limited a guy like Michael Thomas, an explosive player. But Alvin Kamara and Ingram, they combined for 13 catches. And now you've got a team in the Patriots where they love the screen game. They love the quick pass. And the guy who's really dangerous, who has been a great performer historically in Super Bowls, is James White. How important will limiting James White and then even the other guys, those unlikely, like Sony Michelle hasn't been used a lot in terms of catching the ball, but you know Belichick, he could use him. Or McDaniels, he's going to use him. He's going to throw Burkhead out there. How important is that and how much of a focus will that be for the Rams as opposed to last week or two weeks ago with the Saints? Yeah, I mean, it would be huge. The the interesting thing about Kamara was 
it wasn't as much the screens was they were just running him straight up to the linebacker and then he would choose a direction he could either go in or out and he was just blazing by Corey Littleton and Mark Barron the inside linebackers for the Rams neither of whom are great pass defenders so it's so it's so weird Joe that Mark Barron's not a good I mean he was a safety in college like and I know that that he was never like a, a super great guy in coverage but you would think as an inside linebacker like he should be pretty he should be one of the better he doesn't have oily in the NFL that's like it's a steel Mike Mayox oily hips not great with the hips can't turn because I mean it, it they they got roasted you know I mean Kamara's awesome don't get me wrong but James White is that good too but it was it just seems so weird it seems like Mark Barron should be a plus in that regard and he just hasn't been that this season not what I've I do I do wonder if Maroon 5 is going to perform oily hips at halftime <laughs> featuring big boy <laughs> Um, that's no. definitely a prop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> five to one odds they perform oily <laughs> hips. No, it, it was. It, it, he's not a great. You're right, Mark Barron. He doesn't have those oily hips. He doesn't. He doesn't move well. That was what the Rams had Alec Ogletree for when they moved him from an outside linebacker to the inside. He was that guy. He was phenomenal on the blitz, and he was a much better pass defender. Um, but they've lost him, and they've promoted Corey Littleton. And you know, it's the it's the weakest point on the defense. There's always going to be a weak. You can't you can't have eleven Pro Bowlers on the defense. The Rams tried; they got pretty close. But you know, you just can't have it. So you got Marcus Peters Aqib to leave John Johnson, Lamarcus Joyner at the back. That's a great secondary. Aaron Donald, Michael Brockers, and Dominican Sue. The weak point is the linebackers, and so it, whether it's it, whether it's running backs like Alvin Kamara against the Saints or tight ends that we've seen a lot of opponents for the against the Rams exploit that linebacker level the, the it, it, you know rob gronkowski doesn't need an introduction i wouldn't be surprised if when the patriots after trying to force the run early on start to build on the passing game attacking the linebackers i gotta think that's where they're gonna go and yeah i'm worried about it how do you think they'll try to guard they'll try to cover gronk we've seen how, do, how do you cover gronk the- yeah he was dead. I mean, it he like was he dead, was, though. Yeah, he was dead. He, he was, was buried in the ground. Dead. He was he was <laughs> not coming up. And then he, like the Undertaker, a little WWE, went right through the coffin, and he came alive. Well, I know that Wade Phillips in the past, like, I know Akeem Tlaib has been a guy that's, like, been very vocal about, like, he will try to guard Gronk. But I, I just wonder, like, if it doesn't feel like that's the Rams' defensive scheme to move any of their corners around right now. You know, it doesn't – feels like they stay home. They stay on their sides of the field. I think Marcus Peters is, you know, he gets targeted. He kind of is who he is. But do you think they'll move to leave around at all? Or will they, they kind of take their chance? They've done it before, but only after halftime. One, one of the weird things about Wade Phillips is he's very, it's not stubborn, but he, he's got a specific system. Bill Belichick talked about it uh, this last week. When, I think it was Thursday. Mentioned the idea that one of the things that's been tough for him, for Bill Belichick, is that he's had to always adapt to things that are changing and that Wade Phillips is the complete opposite. He does the same thing. He's done it since day one. And the thing is, it kind of works. He's won, he's won Super Bowls as a defensive coordinator. And so what, what he likes to do is isolate parts of the field for specific responsibilities for guys. Marcus Peters, you get over here. Nikhil Roby Coleman, you're in the middle over here. Akib Tlaib, you've got this part. It doesn't matter where Michael Thomas goes, where Ted Ginn Jr. goes, where Tommy Lee Lewis goes. If he goes over there, Nikel Roby Coleman, you just knock him out. Don't worry, the refs aren't going to call him anything. Hit him as hard as you can, <laughs> him as hard as you can in the head. The refs won't call it. Don't worry about it. Uh, but, but guys have these <laughs> assignments that aren't personnel specific. They're, 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 they're space specific. I remember against the Cowboys, um, Amari Cooper 
they slid him into the slot and for the first touchdown for the Cowboys touchdown, he ran right past LaMarcus Joyner. And people were asking, why is LaMarcus Joyner on Amari Cooper? He's not. He's on that part of the field. And it just so happened that the Dallas Cowboys slid Amari Cooper through it past the linebackers. After halftime, though, Wade's shown a, a, a willingness sometimes to move cornerbacks onto specific assignments. He did it in week one against the Oakland Raiders when Jared Cook was having a really good game at the tight end position, and he put Tlaib on him. Uh, he did it. There was another point. I forget to which game it was, but he did the same thing, uh, and he pushed Tlaib. It was before Tlaib got hurt. And he pushed Tlaib towards a tight end. So he, he's been willing to do it. And he's been willing to tinker that um, field-specific assignment sometimes to make more player-specific assignments, but not early on in the game. Early on in the game, it's going to be what Wade Phillips always does. The secondary is going to get their parts of the field. He's going to play with the defensive front, and they'll make adjustments at halftime. What do you think the main keys like defensively are? for them to really win this game on the defensive side of the ball. I think it, I think it comes down first and foremost to uh, I would I would say the front seven, but really it's just Indomitian Sue and the edge rushers. The inside linebackers are going to be able to back off. Michael Brockers is not a great pass rushing guy. It really comes down to Indomitian Sue, Samson Abukum and Dante Fowler when Aaron Donald is soaking up pressure, especially in passing situations when it's third and 6 and you know that it's a passing situation and you know all three of those guys, Abukum Sue and Fowler are going to get one-on-one matchups. Can they win? Can they get home? And can, they don't even have to get a sack, but you got to force Tom Brady to throw the ball early. As long as he's got time, it's Tom Brady. I mean, come on. He's, of course. he's, he's Tom Brady. Just, it doesn't yeah. matter. You know what I mean? Like he's of course. It's, about, exactly. it's about getting off the field, essentially, you early in this game so you're not having those 94-play games with the Patriots where they're going to wear you down at the end of the game. Can you get off the field in that first half? Like you said, I think the a great point there is that third and six, third and seven, can you turn that ball over to you? Can you get it to fourth down and make them punt? Because once they start you know, driving on you and they're doing these 14-play, 12-play drives, that's what really scares you because now your interior line's going to be worn down, and that's usually the Patriots' bread and butter. But I, th- I think that's going to be a big key, and it's going to be important early for the Rams. I'm starting to get nauseous, man. No, um, no, don't don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> I was in this position last year. You got to remember, I'm an Eagles fan, so like I know how it is. Like I, I had a good positive attitude going into the game, and then you know we won, and I, I can die happy now. You'll you'll do but the like, same. Well, while Brady's throwing for 500 yards, like yeah, but when you got Nick Foles, it's never easy. It's, no, I, I just I'm just saying, like it's never easy because you just know, you know, if he gets too many yeah. shots, it's like you know what I mean. It just he is who he is. The other th- the other thing I'd throw out there defensively is just Marcus Peters because uh, much like Janoris Jenkins, who had the same role that Peters has now, he's a feast or famine guy, and you know he's go- he's going to attack routes, and that you know. Sometimes that gets you an interception or a pass deflection, and sometimes you know that lets a guy over the top. And especially given how, what's the right word? I want to be. I guess I'd say emotional. How emotional Marcus Peters can be, that can either blow up in a good way or a bad way. We've seen it from like guys like Richard Sherman, or you know, you've seen it from other cornerbacks where these guys get really, really emotional. And you've got to be able to channel that into positive football. And if you can do that, it's great. If you can't, it's the ungreat. I, I would say the one good thing about Marcus Peters, though, is is that the Pats don't have like they do have some. Very, I mean, Edelman's an awesome route runner, but like Hogan and Cord- Cordero Patterson and Philip Dorsett, like those guys aren't like 
kill you running routes, like get over the top of you. So like for Peters, this should be a pretty, I want to say like safe game for him on the outside. There's nobody, it's, you know, there's no Julio Jones over there. There's no like Michael Thomas for, you know, him to just get straight on an island with. But that, that being said, like, I agree with you. Like you could see him getting like some boneheaded 15 yard penalty in the fourth quarter. That's like so important, you know, because like he just, gets like that sometimes. I mean, last year, right, he threw the flag in the stands against the Raiders. It was, like, one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Like, but uh, real quick, just do some other stuff real quick. Uh, trick plays. You guys run the most fake punts of any team I've ever seen. It looks like Sean McVay has, like, the Madden controller on. Johnny Hecker never throws a bad pass. Are we seeing any other trick plays? I'm just assuming they're going to run a fake punt, but are we going to see any other trick plays out of the Rams offense, you think? I'm, I'm gl- I hadn't even thought of that, and I'm glad you mentioned it. i got to get some blood pressure medicine for this game because if they, if they do it again, there's a good chance I pass out. I mean, I mean it is, it's part of what the Rams do. It's what they've done under John Fossil since he became special teams coordinator. They, they, he's, John, Johnny Hecker's so good at it, and they practice it so fervently. And they've run it successfully so many times. What was funny was the Rams ran a fake field goal against New Orleans in week nine, and the refs ruled it short. And when you looked at it on replay, everybody thought it was going to get overturned. It looked like he got there. And, you know, they said the play stood. And so going into the, the NFC championship, everybody was like, please, God, don't do it again because I can't take it. And then we run the fake punt to Sam Shields of all people, and it works. I, I I wouldn't be surprised. I think it depends on the tenor of the game. The one, the fake punt in the Saints game, uh, the Rams talked about was largely because they weren't getting things going on offense early on. The scripted stuff on offense wasn't working against the scripted defense from the Saints in that first quarter and a half. And so, if it's a similar situation where the offense is struggling, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the Rams go to it. Here's here's the 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 part that makes you sick is. Field position doesn't seem to matter to the Rams. Special. They'll do it from their own ten yard line, which is yeah. If he if he thinks it's a good spot, like if he sees something in film, and that's I think it looked. I think I read that they saw the Saints were in like base or something, or they were in safe, and Hecker had the option to either throw it or punt. And he what he what he saw was like they were in safe, and he was like, or not, they were not in safe. Excuse me. And then he just throws a dart to like even if that throws like an inch off. Shields has to like go up and get it. He gets tackled short of the sticks, but Hecker just like puts it on the numbers every time. It's insane. How about uh, in terms of the rest of the special teams? Uh, you guys in the Pats are the, have blocked the most punts in the NFL this year. I think Rams have blocked three, Pats have blocked four. Nobody else has blocked more than two. And uh, do you expect to see the Rams kick to Corderell Patterson, or they'll just, it'll just be a touchback? Like I wouldn't be surprised if they do. I mean, the Rams are fantastic on special teams. Um, Greg Zerline, when he's healthy, is one of the best kickers I've ever seen. He missed the end of last season going into the playoffs with a back injury. He's got this weird left foot injury that they haven't been very... Yeah, I saw. He, he's on the injury report, but they don't expect him to not yeah, play. Yeah, and obviously. supposedly he suffered it at some point before halftime against the Saints. Still kicked the two field goals, including that, what was it, 60, whatever. He made, the 57-yarder would have been good from seven. He's got honestly, a ridiculous like, leg. So on his day, he can nail any kick you ask him to. He's only had one bad year. I think that was 15 was his down year. Otherwise, he's got very good accuracy and phenomenal distance. And so as a kicker, he's everything you'd want. Johnny Hecker is one of the best punters in the history of the NFL and gives you, like you talked about, that that out as a as a fake option. 
Um, they're very but unbelievable, unbelievable, like coffin corner punter, like as good as you know, incredible. as good as we've seen. That, he's, this, he's the best punter in the NFL. What's funny is this is his bad year. It, uh, going into this season, I know, I know it's kind of weird to have this discussion, but we started asking, okay, well, what does a what does a Hall of Fame punter career look like? We just put Ray Guy in the Hall of Fame, so at least there's an option to buy for punters. And the, the the truth is, to this point in his career, he looked like what you would make the case for, for a Hall of Fame caliber punter. The same way when you talk about Aaron Donald as a Hall of Fame caliber defensive tackle, you'd say, yeah, this is the resume that you'd need to have through the first five years. Johnny Hecker was on on pace for that, I guess, if there's such a thing as now, and I guess there is, as a Hall of Fame punter. But you pair him with Greg Zerline and the discipline that they have in all phases, whether they're kicking, punting, receiving, or kicking off, punting away, they've been incredible. And like you mentioned, Corey Littleton, for all his faults as an inside linebacker, technically, he's one of the best special teams players I've ever seen. He's blocked, I think, six punts in his career at this point. I think he's, and he's like Jared Goff, third-year player. He, 2016, Corey Littleton was the team rookie of the year, not Jared Goff, because of his special team play. So, yeah, they're incredible in special teams. I know New England is too, but uh, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if if the Rams have full confidence in their special teams to be able to match up with the Pats in every aspect of the special team. All right, Joe. This next question is coming. I want you to. I want you to take a nice deep breath for this next Oily question. Oily hips. Let's do it. Oh, oily hips. Yes. Say it with me. Now I need the score. Is, is oily hips? The- is oily hips your favorite flavor when you taste a beer? It's got. <laughs> I can taste a little. If I'm raspberry, drinking with Mike Mayock. That's all. But it's I'm got some oily about. hips at the back of the tongue. <laughs> So Scoop. as of right now, sorry, Smalls, not to cut you off. As of right now, Rams plus two and a half over under is 56 and a half as of right uh, at this exact moment. So just keep that in mind. Go yeah, ahead, we got score and an MVP prediction from you. All right. So score, I'll go 37-34. Greg Zerline oh. kicking it as time expires and Adam Vinatieri's soul evaporates into the ether. <laughs> So that that's, that covers the line over under over. over under that's the over MV, I MVP I, I only because I want it because I don't know if you guys can tell I like chaos a lot yes uh, yeah. CJ Anderson it's got bring it, it. it for all for for everybody that talks about man it's been so much hard work to get here CJ Anderson was eating meatball sandwiches in week twelve oh man on his I couch. actually. I actually would really – I was thinking about this when you were saying it earlier about uh, Marcus Peters being like feast or famine. I'm going to definitely look up prices for like Marcus Peters Super Bowl MVP because like there's some world where he has like a pick six and like a fumble recovery or yeah, something. Sure. And like he – you know, because like those, it's harder for defensive guys to win. I mean I'm sure Aaron Donald can have like 10 tackles and like three and a half sacks and win. And like, yeah, like, fumble recovery touchdown. Yeah, but it'd be interesting, like just from a, if it wasn't, you know, your Todd Gurley or your Jared Goff or your Brandon Cooks, it feels like the Rams have playmakers on the defensive side of the ball to actually make something. Here's happen. here's what I wonder about CJ Anderson, which by the way, if Marcus Peters is feast or famine, CJ Anderson is feast or feast. If CJ Anderson <laughs> has 20 carries for 20 yards and four touchdowns, is that a Super Bowl MVP game? Like if he, did- they're just gonna they're just gonna give the trophy to McVay. I'm they serious. Could, yeah. like somehow, somehow, Sean McVay will be the MVP of the Super Bowl. I wouldn't be surprised. And I don't know if you guys have seen. It. They're gonna talk about it. I'm sure all through the game is Sean McVay was a very productive uh, quarterback in high school. He actually beat Calvin Johnson for the Georgia State Player of the Year when he was in high school as a quarterback. 
maybe McVeigh. That's that's the one club in his bag that Belichick doesn't have is that McVeigh can sub in for a play. If he does, if he doesn't trust guys to run it, he can just go out there and run it. Now, himself. one of the great things about the Super Bowl are the prop bets, right? We and I get it. You're 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 a big fan of the Rams, so you won't be totally focused on that. And you can pick football, but I need two of your favorite prop bets for oh, the this Super is easy. Bowl. I did, I, did, I did an interview with a uh, radio station in LA this morning just on the prop bets. Um, should I, I? I won't waste y'all's time with the top ten. Uh, I'll give you a couple of these. Uh, number six was how many times will Ted Rath be mentioned during the broadcast? So Ted Rath is our psychotic strength coach, who's also the guy that holds Sean McVay back. back. He's the get back coach. Yep. Joe, He's both. three and Joe, a half, right? Joe, or is it five we, and a half? Yeah, half. Uh, we yeah. had a Pat's writer from Pat's pulpit on, and his favorite prop was how many times will they show the Rams get back coach? <laughs> yeah. You now Ted Rath's great. And Ted Rath is one of those guys who, like there's no reason for you to wear a small as your shirt. No, what you are you have doing? To. That's, Absolutely. That's, <laughs> that's part of the brand. You have to he's doing a great job. That's what he has to do. They're not even sleeves on that shirt. I don't know what you're doing. That's a that's a youth medium. Um so yeah, Ted Rath was one of my favorites just because I love Ted Rath. Uh one of my other ones was uh Will Maroon Five play Sweet Ooh. Victory at halftime as a sp- I had to do some research into this. So I guess Sweet Victory was this song from SpongeBob. Mm. And because Steven Hillenberg passed away, a lot of people expect Maroon Five to play a SpongeBob SquarePants, which the main reason I like it is if Maroon Five was the most obvious it was the most NFL band you could pick to do in a Super Bowl <laughs> halftime, playing a SpongeBob tribute, there's no Roger Goodell would be a, I don't know why he would, but he'd be offended by it. He would think it's like vulgar. I could totally see it. I could totally see it. That's a good that's a good one. Any other uh you have any other good like on field ones? No, oh, number one. I don't know if you guys have watched the Fire Festival oh, documentaries. We have, on we have. both of them. Number have. one. Will Billy McFarlane be caught selling counterfeit tickets to the Super Bowl? <laughs> that was easily the best prop bet. And I went in with my own Billy McFarland, NFL commissioner 2025. I mean, he could Joe, make what were happen. the odds? What were the odds on Billy McFarlane? What was yes? I mean, yes had to yes, be plus. plus 25, plus 2,500. No was minus 10,000. Okay, hold on a second. Yes, plus 2,500. That's pretty good value for a sociopath. That we know I sold Operating out of prison. Uh, I can see it happening. Unbelievable. I, I, haven't, I haven't looked, but I want to know how much action that bet took. There are people, I know there are people putting money on that bet, and that makes me very <laughs> sad for the future of this planet. <laughs> All right, well, one more time. So Rams 37-34, Greg Zerline kicks a field goal at the buzzer. The Patriots dynasty's over. Long live the Rams dynasty, I suppose. Tom Brady retires. Bill Belichick apologizes for cheating and crowns the Rams champion (laughs) of of, of Super Bowl 36. And then C.J. Anderson, MVP trophy. MVP and Jeff Fisher comes and hugs me and says he's sorry. <laughs> I go. love it. All right. He is, he is Joe McAtee <laughs> from Turf Show Times at 3K underscore on Twitter. He's got a bunch of content on Turf Show Times this week, including the top 10 prop bets uh, right now. So check him out. Give him a follow on Twitter. And Joe, uh, I appreciate you joining us and you know going deep on the Rams for us. It'll, it'll be great. And I hope, like I said, I hope you take your blood pressure medicine. And- <laughs> I, I don't like. I don't have a dog in the fight. I'm gonna, you know, wager some discs on a lot of fun stuff that can happen. But I, I hope it's a good result for you, man. Yeah, I really. Do. It's gonna be fun, man. It's been a long time since the Rams were relevant, so I'm just glad for them to be back here. And and all the things you guys mentioned about the Patriots establishing the run and the pass. I think it's got to be more than blood pressure medicine. I'm gonna have to make a cocktail of like Tums. 
and Advil and blood pressure meds and gin and rum. And yeah, the, I don't know. <laughs> there you go. All right, man. We appreciate you joining us. Thanks a lot. Thanks guys. for having me, guys.